lift our hands to the Lord. Come on, let's thank Him for His goodness today. Come on, we can do better than that. Don't let allow your mask to hinder. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise of the Lord today. Come on, let's do that. Let's give Him some honour and worship in the house. I want to introduce my friend, the prop, today. I want to, I'm really excited about this message. Linda was down to preach today and um, I, I woke up at two in the morning last week and I had just a, a message just came to me about the start of our Christmas campaign and we're starting now with our Christmas um, themes and we're going to be speaking about people of the Christmas nativity and I'm going to start with Jesus to kick off. So please be seated and uh, I want to um, bring a message that I really do believe is going to bring liberty and also opportunity for us to be effective over this Christmas period. I'm going to speak to you about Christmas. And uh, please don't get offended because um, I believe in Santa. Please don't do that and, and make my Christmas disappointed. I know somebody's going to get offended at that. Remember when I, fir I first joined this church over 16 years ago, and our estate is a needy estate. And I remember um, finding in one of the um, rooms a Santa Claus with a ladder with a present. You know, he's climbing up a ladder and you put them out your window. Do anybody remember them? Um, and I know that not everybody you agree with that. But I put it out my office window um, like a Santa Claus. And I thought, oh, that would be really attractive to the kids on our estate. And somebody wrote me a letter and say, you know, we don't think it's right that you should have a Santa outside of your office. And I wonder why that you would bring that to me. And so I just left it. And unfortunately, the person left the church because of a little red man hanging out of my window, which um, one day there was a family walking past our church and the little girl stopped and said, oh, look, daddy, look at that Father Christmas hanging out of the window. And at that moment, it was a Sunday morning and there was worship happening in our church and the, the, the father started to listen and thinking, and what kind of music is that? Uh, a few months went by and he came into the church and he became a Christian and so did all his family. Now, I'm not saying that Santa was the reason for that, but I want to just say that as a church and as people of God, we have to be flexible to communicate the gospel uh, in a way that will, will connect with people. And sometimes we can go hiding when there's an opportunity. And I believe Christmas, if we're not careful, can be hijacked by commercialism and all that kind of stuff. And we should take advantage of the celebration of the festival and bring the real reason to Christmas to people. And so I want to encourage you today and read from Acts 17, this verse, to help with the foundation of what I'm trying to communicate to you today. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around to look carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth 
and does not live in temples built by human hands. Here the Apostle Paul had an opportunity in the midst of all the idols in Athens where there was a meeting place for governors, for important meetings and debate where they would talk about their God and their religions. And the Apostle Paul, instead of running away from an environment of idols and, and worship, he went looking for an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And there was an altar to the unknown God. And he thought, that is an amazing, I'm going to use that altar an altar of idolatry to, to reflect the God that I serve. And there he begins to present the gospel in a place where it was full of idolatry. And they begin to reason and say, we've not heard this kind of teaching before. And I want to tell you today, there is thousands of people in your street and in your home and in your office that does not know the true meaning of Christmas and if the church can't present that to the world, what are we doing in our lives? So when you look at Christmas, there will be people who will look at that as a time of celebration, to party, to indulge, to get intoxicated, over drinking, over spending. So that will be some people. There'll be other people that will have time of celebrate, have holiday break, to be, with, be generous with their family and friends and gather together and have a really good time. So that's other people that will see Christmas. And then there's others who are not celebrating Christmas because of personal belief or religious belief. And that's absolutely fine because of commercialism, paganism and materialism. But I want to say to you, in the midst of these things, we have to be light and salt and not to be afraid of the things that we see that represents things that may not be even good in the past, but use them as an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with people. We need to be at the forefront of the 25th of December, which is a date set in calendar where we will celebrate the birth of Christ. Now, I know that the 25th of December may not have been the day that Jesus was born on, but the truth is, He was born. So it's great to have a day dedicated to His birth that the church can leverage to share about the Saviour that we have given our life to and got up this morning to come to in this place. It is the greatest opportunity to celebrate and witness to the greatest gift that, as to mankind, this holiday, we must take advantage of it. With all the attachments, failings and trappings, we as a church can bring a real meaning to the world that is surrounded by idols, commercialism, fables, paganism, brokenness, and bring the good news of Jesus to them, just like the Apostle Paul. So for me, when I look at Christmas, and by the way, we started early. We have a Christmas tree up already in the house, waiting for our grandkids. Linda was really keen. When, when I look at Christmas, I do think of food, you know, and I do think of family and friends and gifts. But above all, please listen to me, and this help is for you as well. When I look at Christmas with the lights and the trees and everything else that the package is at and the presents, I look at it as someone representing a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you today that Christmas is a celebration of our Saviour and all the other things really is just pointing to Him. And if we don't point to Him at Christmas, whatever your belief system is as a Christian, then we're missing out on an opportunity. We cannot turn the lights off at Christmas. We have to turn the lights on and let people know that Jesus is still alive and still real and still can save lives. 
So let me talk to you about a few things at Christmas just to help clear the air so you know where your pastor stands on Christmas. Now, you don't have to take any of these views. This is my personal Christmas belief system, I think. Let's deal with Father Christmas, shall we? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on him. We're not sure whether St. Nicholas and all that stuff in the past is, is true, but let me tell you about Father Christmas for me. Do you know what? I really believed in Santa when I was a child. Did you know that? Say, oh, poor Jason. In fact, I believed in him so much, I was willing to have a fight in the school playground to prove his existence. Isn't that sad? I was so convinced that, that Father Christmas was real. I don't know how my mum and dad helped me to believe that. I, I just don't know how they did it. But I really believed it. So much so I was going to defend him. And, and you know, I was so disappointed when I realised that it might have not been true. I was 18. No, I'm joking. Let me tell you something. It was, it was more than that. It's when I got married and they had children that the penny dropped that he wasn't really around and I became Santa. <laughs> and you know, the story goes, if you're bad, less presents. So I'm thinking, every time I'm bad as a kid, no, less present. It ended up that I owed Santa presents. So I'm not sure how it worked, but I just wanted to know about Father Christmas. But here's, here's something for you to know, that we have a Father. And no matter what you think about Father Christmas, you can tell people that even though he's a man in red, that we have somebody who is a Father, who is a Heavenly Father, and he, he loves to give good gifts to his children. And let me tell you something, Father Christmas will probably deliver you gifts on the basis of your good behaviour, but my Heavenly Father give me his best gift, not based on my behaviour. In fact, he actually rewarded me because I was bad, not good. You see how you can communicate the gospel and you can turn around what is meant for evil that we can turn it around to present Christ? So we no longer have to keep retreating. So I want to redeem the tree today, the Christmas tree. Because I know all the history of it all. I know all the history of it. But we've got to use and leverage and, and come out of the woodwork and say, look, you know, this represents more than what you think. More than, than just a few lights and a few fur things on a thing. It represents a person. And we're going to tell you about that person. And so when you come to my house, I'm going to make sure I have opportunity to share with you about the person that we've given our life to. And his name's Jesus Christ. And so when we come to the Christmas tree, of course, when you look at the history the fir trees were used by Romans to decorate their temples. It is true. Uh, the festivals of Saturn and, and, to, and to others to give strength back to the sun god. If you look at the history of that, you'll see that in the book of Jeremiah, it also talks about those who would cut down trees and dress them with silver and gold and carve them with their own hands to become an object of worship and, and idols. I want to declare to you and online today, it is not a sin to have one of these in your house. Everybody's gone quiet. The only reason it would become a sin is if you relied on that to be your source. It's called idolatry. Come on, speak to me. You see, what you don't realise, even though Christmas trees back then in Roman times was used for paganism and for worship false gods and idols, the Christians begin to turn it round to use that the evergreen represent the tree of life in Revelation that would give eternal life. 
And the thing is that when I have that in my house or my church, that does not give me support life. And I do not worship that tree. I do not adorn it with gold or silver or invest my finances in that tree, hoping that tree will give me subsidence, protection and life because that's idolatry. And so when I say about that, it's not a sin to have that. The only reason it's a sin is if something becomes your idol. And many Christians won't have a tree in the house, but they'll sit in a car and drive an idol and they'll live in an idol and be with people who will be their idols because they think that they're their source to life and actually it's not, it's God. And so we, we go around as though we're so religious but let me tell you something, there's no power in this thing but what that tree represents, there is power. That tree represents a person and that tree represents the gospel message right through the Bible which I'm going to share with you and that's why I'm so excited about it because it does and so the early Christians tried to reverse the curse and say, well, I'm going to celebrate Christmas, but to use that to, to show that we have everlasting life through the Saviour of the world that came at Christmas in a sense as a baby born to live and die for the sins of the world. And so how can this tree, this Christmas tree, how can we communicate it to a world that says, well, that's, you know, whatever that represents for you, commercialism, materialism, indulgence, pagan, what does that represent? No, no, it represents a day when someone came to earth to die for us, for our sins on the cross. In Genesis 2, verse 15, it says, the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will die. This tree represents the tree of disobedience because what happened is that Adam was disobedient to God and he took the apple off the tree, the fruit which were forbidden. Every other tree was available to him, but this one, it looked too good to leave on the tree. But he took it in disobedience with his wife off the tree. And what happened was the fall came, sin came, and the life of God came from the tree. The life went out. And what God did, he sent a, an angel to stand in front of the tree of life. And no longer was there eternal life with God was taken because of man's disobedience at the tree. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. And so that tree, when you look at Christmas, represents that the fall of mankind, that everyone has been disobedient and everyone has fallen short of his glory and his standard. Just like Adam, you and me have, have disobeyed God somewhere and online. You have disobeyed God and the life of God has gone out of the tree of life, which is Jesus Christ. And even though God could still talk to man, eternal life was taken away from him and nobody could approach the life anymore. It was guarded. And the fall came to us. The Lord God said the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals. And he said, did God really say you would not eat from the tree in the garden? And the world has been lied to ever since. And the world has decided to live away from God's standards and God's guidance from us. And the life of God, the eternal life, has gone from mankind. And if that was the only Christmas bauble on my tree today, we should never think about celebrating Christmas anymore. Because if God left it at man's disobedience, we're all doomed to judgment and all go into a lost eternity.
And so the Lord God made a garment for Adam and Eve and he banished him from the garden and, and to work the ground and that's why we toil and that's why there is pain in the world and that's why we're in turmoil because we've turned away from God. It was a, started with a tree of disobedience right at the beginning of the Bible and after he drove man from the ground he placed this on the east side a cherubim with flaming swords back and forth to guard the way. See, to guard the way to the tree of life. But God had a plan. God had a plan. See, the first Adam disobeyed God and fell from the grace of God and his relationship with God. So when I look back at this tree, it reminds me of my disobedience and the disobedience of mankind throughout our world fallen short of the glory of God. And there is the price to pay and that price is judgment for our sins. That's the gospel message. But let me tell you something today. If that was it, then we're all doomed. But I want to tell you the great news of Jesus and the gospel of Christmas today. See, it's not only a tree of disobedience, it's also a tree of promise. Why do I say that? Because in Luke 1 it says, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You have conceived and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. And he will be great. And be called the Son of the Most High and will save their people from their sins. But that promise was fulfilled, just about to happen in Luke's Gospel at the birth of Jesus. But the promise started a lot earlier than that fulfilment. And then in Isaiah 9, it says, For unto us a child is born and a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government, will peace will be on his shoulders and be no end. You see, it was a, also a promise, a tree of promise. Why? Because it goes further back than Isaiah in my case. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me the one who will be ruler of Israel, whose origin are from old, from ancient of times. When was the promise of God given to us? I'll tell you when it was. It was just after the man disobeyed at the tree. As soon as he disobeyed at the tree, God brought the promise at the tree. He says, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15, listen to this. Listen to the, pr the promise at the foot of the tree and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between you and your offspring and hers and he will crush your head and he will strike his heel. That is the promise of salvation and the first scripture in the Bible of the nativity scripture right back in Genesis straight after the disobedience of mankind. Come on church, you've got to get excited about God's purposes in our life. So when I look at that, I don't just see a few lights in my house and a, a few little plastic branches or whatever it is. I don't see what it was in history. I see what God's intention was at this tree, that disobedience came from it, but the promise followed. But here's something special and exciting about it. It wasn't only a promise because let me tell you something, a promise only can be fulfilled by somebody's obedience, by being obedient to the condition and that was Jesus Christ when he came to, as born as a baby to die as a person. And I want to call this the tree of redemption. The tree of redemption. 
Because when Adam, the first man, sinned because of disobedience, Jesus, the second Adam, brought us back into the presence of God by his obedience. It's called the tree of redemption. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us as it is written. And I've used the King James Version. Curse is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Oh, church, a tree. He became a curse for us. Listen, while Adam brought the fall by taking the apple off the tree, Jesus, the second Adam, brought back the promise by hanging on the tree. The first Adam was disobedient in the garden and Jesus, the second Adam, was obedient in the garden and said, not my will, but your will be done. And there he was, allowed himself to go to the cross and die a death for our forgiveness because of his obedience. And that's what I trim my tree up. Every memory is about Jesus. That he brings life and forgiveness. That's what this represents, folks. It's not about commercialism. It's not about just the things that we enjoy, the food, but it's about Jesus. And he brings eternal life. God, in Galatians, but when the set time had fully come. God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. And the song from Zechariah, and when you think about the songs that were sung after the prophecy being fulfilled with Jesus coming, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. The word redeems to pay a price for, some, to, for someone to set someone free. That's what the word, and they knew in Roman times what that was familiar. Why? Because there was over 60 million slaves at the time of the Roman Empire. And some of them were set free because of being purchased for. Others were prisoners exchanged for freedom. But, and then, then the third one is so exciting for me. The third reason how they were freed is what a king would pay the ransom. See, both examples of freedom were gained because a price was paid. And Jesus Christ came to die on a tree, on a cross, that so we could be forgiven and pay the price for what we deserve, the punishment we deserve, that we have been set free from slavery, from the power of Satan, and because of the price that he paid with his own life, being willing to go to a tree to die for us, that we can be forgiveness. In him, we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according with the riches of, his, of God's grace that he lavished on us. Hebrews says Christ died as a ransom to set us free from sin. You see, what well, I've talked about Santa and Father Christmas. I've talked about the tree, but they're not really, it's not the issue. It's not about the tree, it's about the person. But then under the tree is what more the kids are excited about. It's called a present. And I'm not sure anybody in this room would, would not be excited about what presents you're going to get at Christmas. But let me just tell you something. Every one of you that's planning for Christmas right now, a present for the people that you love, let me just tell you something. You know one thing that's going to cost you. Isn't it? And because you love that person, the cost really is not that important. It's like what Des said. It becomes a gift. But I want to tell you something. At Christmas, when we look at these presents, it's not just what's inside of it. That reminds me of the greatest gift that was given me freely by His grace. 
See, everything about Christmas reflects Jesus. And the world needs to know about it. No matter what present that you get, you, can't, you can never forget the gift what God gives you freely by his grace. For God so loved the world, listen, that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to forgive the world through his love. You see, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's about a person, folks. Jesus Christ, who came to die for man's disobedient, and because of the promise and plan of God, he was willing to be obedient to even death on a cross. And when he rose again, he offered a gift to everyone. And do you know what that gift was? That gift was the life of God back. See, the lights have been put back on. And the way open is now available. That's when, when Jesus died on the cross, the angel moved outside of the eternal life opportunity and the curtain was torn into two from top to bottom and the access to God was now open for it. He said, I am the way. See, the way to God was closed, but he said, I am the way, the truth and the life and no one come to the Father but through me. The greatest gift. Revelation says, blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life, right in Revelation. See, in the beginning, Genesis, the tree was a part of the problem. It wasn't the tree, it was man's disobedience, but in the Revelation, the end of the book, life is available. And that tree of life is Jesus, my friends. There is no other life that you can get but him. And the song that Mary sang is repeated from Isaiah. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation and arrayed me in robes of righteousness. Revelation, let me read it to you again. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right. You see, when you receive the gift of Jesus, you now have the right for eternal life. So for Christmas for me, presents, great. Trees, great. Santa, all right. But every one of those to me represents my saviour. And on, on, on December, I am not gonna lose an opportunity to point people to Jesus through any means possible. And we are not gonna allow the enemy to rob us of what we can celebrate and give worship to God. Christmas, my title of this message, listen, Christ died for the masses. Christmas. You have an amazing opportunity this season to share your faith of the greatest message about the greatest person that ever lived. But not only did Jesus die for the masses, he also died for the individual. And if you're in this place for the first time or whatever time and you're online and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal saviour, then I want to give you opportunity to receive eternal life. Yes, we've all been disobedient. All of us have disobeyed God. And all of us are destined for judgment. But because of his promise and his son who is willing to be obedient 
to death. He offers you and me eternal life. But you have to do one thing, my friend. The only thing that you have to do this morning and online in your heart is that you have to receive the gift. How disappointed will you be if you've taken all month to think about a gift for your loved one and you give it to them, they don't even open it. And many people in life get offered the greatest gift that you could ever receive and they won't even open it. I want to give you the opportunity to receive the gift, the free gift of eternal life. It cost Jesus everything. How do you receive this gift? By faith. It's simple. You say yes to God. And so everyone in this room and those online, if you don't know the Lord and you don't know that you're going, you've got eternal life, you're not sure, you can be sure this morning, but you can ask the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart and your life and you can pray a simple, along the lines that I'm going to pray right now, you can pray it, but mean it. You've got to mean it. You've got to say, I want to receive this gift today of eternal life. This is how you start the process to receive. Lord Jesus, I stand today as a sinner. I am so sorry for offending you. I fall short of your standards and there's nothing I can do to reach your standards. So right now, Lord, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I'm sorry for offending you. I'm sorry for living my life without you. And from today, I repent. I turn from living my way without you and I make a decision to receive the gift of eternal life. I make a decision to receive Jesus, my personal saviour, and I invite you right now to come into my heart and into my life. And from this minute, I make a decision to live your way with your strength and your help and your promises. And so, Lord, I ask you right now to cleanse me of all my sin and fill me with your presence and your life and download into my heart the assurance of eternal life and I ask this in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you've said that in your heart for the first time, I just want you to receive one of these packs. It's a little pack, just a little gospel for you, a journey to let you know what you can do and what you've done today. But if you're in this place today, do not leave. If you don't know Jesus, do not leave without receiving the gift of eternal life. And if that's you on our info stand near the cafe, there's some of these, please go and take one and we'd love to connect with you. And online, please, if you're sitting there right now and you're thinking, I've prayed that prayer in my heart, I'm going to pray a prayer for you right now and those in this room. Lord Jesus, we believe by faith that people watching this message will receive Jesus as their personal saviour and Lord, they've come from death to life and Lord, I pray the lights will go on in their life. I pray, Lord, light will come into their darkness. And Jesus will be Lord in that person's life and all over this room. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for the saints in this place. I pray, Father, we will not retreat from every, every opportunity to share Jesus. Lord, we will take back what the enemy has stolen. And whatever, Lord, things are rooted in, we're going to take it and turn it around. Lord, we, 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 we took back the pumpkin because we're not allowing the devil to steal that either. And Lord, we're going to take back Christmas. Lord, we just thank you for your son, Jesus, who came to die. And we celebrate him this December about his love to us. And we give you all the honour and all the praise. And all God's people said, hey, come on, let's give God praise today.